0: You're listening to Cover Up, Body Brokers. Before you dive in, if you want to listen to the whole story uninterrupted, you can. Unlock the entire season ad-free right now with a subscription to The Bench. That's all episodes, all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the cover-up show page on Apple Podcasts or visit GetTheBinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Campsite Media The Binge This show contains graphic content that may be difficult for some listeners. Please listen with care. About 10 years ago, a woman named Sharla Downing was working for a funeral home in Colorado. The place looked homey, a low-slung, ranch-style house, off-white, sort of stucco-looking, neatly mowed lawn. Sharla was in her late 50s, petite, energetic, She didn't always go into the office, but on this day, she had to get a few things done. She wandered into the back of Sunset Mesa Funeral Home, where the embalming took place.
1: I remember one day going into the prep room, and I can't even remember why, but I opened the freezer door, and the bodies, there were so many bodies, they were stacked on the shelves where they were supposed to be, and then they were just kind of piled together on a couple gurneys in the middle. Some of them had sheets over them. Some of them didn't. Some of them were actually laying flat. Some of them were, looked like they had just been thrown in. Bodies in a funeral home. That's normal, right? But
0: not like this. A freezer in a funeral home is supposed to be neat and organized. Bodies should be covered and tagged. That is not what Charlotte saw. Here, the bodies were naked, haphazardly tossed on top of one another— legs intertwined with legs. There were so many bodies, there wasn't even room for Charlotte to step inside further. She quickly found her boss, the owner of the funeral home. Her name was Megan
1: Hess. I said, Megan, what in the world? And she said, oh, there's a funeral home in Grand Junction that's way behind on and cremating, and we're trying to help them get caught up. Their crematory broke, and so we're cremating for them. Sometimes when when I get in a situation where it is just totally beyond me, I just clam up. Charlotte tried to calm
0: down. She was in a difficult spot. What she saw didn't seem right, but she really needed this job. And her job was to tell everybody how great Sunset Mesa was. She was the funeral home's PR person. So she told herself, What do I really know about the nitty gritty that goes on in a funeral home? And Megan had an explanation. She always had an explanation for everything.
1: She could be very intimidating, but also she had so much confidence in herself that when she said something, you believed it. She never stuttered. But Megan's confidence was hiding
0: something Charla had no idea where those bodies were heading next. She was going to get swept up in a sprawling cross-continental criminal enterprise, and Charla would pay a very steep personal price. I'm Ashley Fonts. I've been an investigative reporter for decades. I've covered a lot of crime, some really dark stuff. But the story I'm going to tell you about the place where Charla worked Sunset Mesa Funeral Home, it's not like any crime you've ever heard of. It's so much stranger, so much more twisted. What happened at that funeral home violated something at the very core of what makes us human. It changed how people in this small town think about death and what happens to us after. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, Body Brokers. Episode one, The Funeral Director.
2: Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up,
1: The Conspiracy Tapes. We see this funeral home as this big mystery, mysterious building, and oh, I'm so sorry. If you want to, you can reach behind you and we'll shut the door, that might help. We only have four chiming clocks in our house. What <laughs> When I first
0: learned about Sharla, I knew right away that I wanted to talk with her. From what I could tell, she had a complicated relationship to this story. She's a grandmother who wears wireframe glasses. Her blonde hair is in a neat bob, and it's gone gray near the roots. Even when Sharla's saying something serious, she'll punctuate it with a laugh, something self-deprecating. I'm going to check in with you as we go along, because I want you to feel comfortable yeah because you're
1: the one that got me in this mess
0: (laughs) oh charla i'm gonna enjoy this despite the the heavy (laughs) stuff that we're going to talk about because it's just so easy to talk to you so charla you and i have talked about this a lot but why did you want to talk to us for this story
1: as you know because we have discussed it i vowed i would never give an interview about what had happened. I've tried to keep a very, very low profile. On a spring Um,
0: afternoon, she takes a seat in her husband's office, and we begin to chat.
1: I'm Charlotte Downing. I am currently living in Kentucky, but I grew up in Montrose. I was raised there, went to school there, went away, came back, went away, came back, and have spent the last 22 years there until we moved here two years ago. Montrose was a lovely place to grow up in. Absolutely wonderful. And we never thought that anything like this could happen in our little town.
0: Montrose is a dusty, dry wisp of a place in the shadow of the San Juan Mountains. Charla remembers it
1: as a kind of Mayberry. It was a very simple lifestyle. It was mostly rural community. The kids that I ran around with all had the same basic values that I did. We all had curfews. And we had one stoplight. We did not have a McDonald's. It was just a small little place, beautiful scenery around us. It was nice. Montrose
0: has grown since then. Today, it's home to about 20,000 people. It's a mix of those who've been there forever. The farmers, the cattle ranchers, the coal miners. And then there's the shinier, newer Montrose, with its micro-brew pubs and tourists who've come to hike and take in its gorgeous vistas. Charlotte never thought she'd leave, but the whole place just felt tainted after what happened with Megan.
1: I could not figure out how I could work for her for as long as I did, be as close to her as I thought I was, and be totally clueless. It just does not... Even now, Ashley, that does not seem possible that I could do that. I'm sure I'm not the brightest kid in the world, but I'm not. Usually I'm relatively intelligent. And to have missed everything I missed is just a mystery to me. I needed to understand more
0: about why Charla was so scared to talk about what happened at Sunset Mesa Funeral Home. Let's go back. Around the time Charla walked into that freezer... 2011, Charlotte's boss, Megan Hess, had just started running the place. Megan was in her mid-30s. She was known for being loud, talking fast. Her nails were always done. She wore mauve makeup and looked like she'd just stepped out of a glamour shot session at a 90s mall. And Megan, she was pretty infamous in town for one thing.
2: Big hair. <laughs> yeah higher the hair, the closer to God, right? <laughs> that's what I, that's what we always said.
0: Last spring, I flew to Montrose and dropped into a little salon called The Lion's Mane to talk to someone who spent a lot of time with Megan, her hairdresser,
2: Jody Cena. She had big hair and she liked it teased. And actually, I never got to style her hair. I just permed it and colored it and cut it. And she would go do her thing, because I don't think anybody could get it the way she liked it. <laughs> a lot of hairspray. A lot of hairspray, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and she always had makeup on?
2: Always. Always. Always dressed to the T. Always done up. She was just fun, you know? little dark side because of the mortuary stuff, but, you know.
0: Megan understood that when someone dies, the last thing a family wants to do is be bogged down planning a funeral— Figuring out the flowers, figuring out the food, it's a lot of work. Megan, she turned Sunset Mesa into a one-stop shop for all of that.
2: You know, we talked a lot about her work, you know, Megan's work being really busy, and she had the event center. She had a floral shop. She catered, and she helped me with my daughter's wedding, yep. She was going to let us borrow her limousine. And I was like, well, who's going to drive it? And she's like, you are. And I was like, no, we're not borrowing your limousine. <laughs> so, yeah, she's just very generous. And if any way she could help, she would do it.
0: Megan spearheaded a cleanup of the town cemetery. She held events for seniors, a fundraiser for local police. On the town Facebook page, Megan was mentioned dozens of times. People really
2: loved her. She was generous. She was compassionate. She did so much for the community. She was always there for the kids, my kids, her kids. She's a light to the community. She does all these great things for the community.
0: Most funeral homes are somber by their very nature, but Megan had a superpower. She took hers and turned it into a place gleaming with color and life. Her funeral services were always so personalized, her chapel always twinkling with trees and lights around the holidays. For one elderly woman's funeral, she draped the place in pink lace, the woman's favorite color. Megan also had a little gift shop where mourners could buy trinkets to store their ashes, like metal roses and lockets. It was elaborate. Everything was elaborate. This is Mary Lee Friedenthal, Mary Lee worked for Megan as a kind of receptionist and saw the way she showed empathy to families in pain. We had a teenage boy that had committed suicide. They told
3: us that he was afraid of being in the dark, so she went and bought those little stick lights to put on his casket so at night they could turn on the lights so he wouldn't be in the dark. I mean, above and beyond what you would normally find
0: any person who truly cares about her her clients. People told me Megan sometimes held people's hands, gave them a comforting hug. Megan told the local newspaper she had a talent for tuning into what people wanted. She said, My personality is such I can easily link up with people and help them through the process. I take into account everyone's wishes and everyone's needs. You're dealing with a lot of personalities. And then there's my own personality. But we always come up with a good plan. To the bereaved, a funeral may be a sacred rite, But to the people running a funeral home, it's still a business. Capitalism is king, even in the death industry. And any smart business owner knows you can't just wait for customers to show up. You got to go out and get them.
1: Megan was a very compassionate person, very kind, but she was a ruthless businesswoman.
0: Megan was a hero about town, but she was also an entrepreneur. And from the start, she could see that she had competition. Another funeral home in town, called Crippen Funeral Home, had been around for decades and was getting most of the business.
1: Her bottom line goal was money and putting Crippens out of business. She always presented, I can provide a better service at a lower cost, and I want all the business I can get.
0: It was Charla's job to come up with creative ways to get people in the door at Sunset Mesa, She visited nursing homes and hospices and asked, Is there anything you need? Oh, the chapel needs some stained glass? Done. How about a community garden? No problem. That cracked sidewalk out front? Sunset Mesa has it covered. One nursing home needed something to brighten up the place.
1: And we ended up giving them a giant aquarium with two turtles in it the turtle thing was Megan's idea. Nobody ever said they wanted turtles, but it was an excellent gift. And I understood later the residents loved the turtles. <laughs> it's just a way of making Sunset Mesa look good in the eyes of the residents. If they go out and they're sitting in the hot sun in the summer in Colorado, wishing for an umbrella, and all of a sudden an awning shows up, and you go out and there's a little plaque there, awning provided by Sunset Mesa Funeral Home. Oh, when the time comes, what name are you going to remember? And that was the point. Sunset Mesa was a family
0: business. Megan's mother, Shirley, was in charge of embalming the bodies while Megan's dad, Alan, maintained the grounds. Megan designed newsletters and Charlotte shared them with hospices and nursing homes. These newsletters were designed to endear potential clients to the whole family. You could read about Alan and Shirley falling in love, see pictures of the family posing in baby blue button-downs, read that they loved going to the rodeo and being on their farm. They were so Montrose. The messaging was very clear. Trust us. We're relatable. We're wholesome. We live up to our business motto. Our family taking care of your family. But here and there, Charla started to catch Megan telling lies.
1: If you look at some of her newsletters, you will see the bit about a family-run business and three generations. And I said, you know, this is really misleading because your daughter is the third generation, but she does not work at the funeral home.
0: That third generation was a toddler, Megan's one-year-old daughter. But Charlotte let it slide. She was far too preoccupied trying to learn about Megan's other venture, a nonprofit called Donor Services. Donor Services allowed people to donate their bodies after death to medical science. Body donation. It made me think of medical students studying cadavers in anatomy class then going on to discover amazing cures for diseases. It sounded so noble, and Megan tried to make it easy for people to say yes to becoming donors. People who donated their bodies through her would receive a discount on normally pricey cremations. Megan wanted Charlotte to start telling the town about donor services right away, but Charlotte had a
1: few questions. When she first mentioned that she was going to do a donor service, the very first thing that popped into my mind from a PR standpoint was, you're gonna get hammered with questions about what are you making from this? What's in it for you? So one of the first things I did was ask, I said, Megan, are you getting paid? Of this. Oh, no, no. This is strictly for the betterment of the medical profession, the community. This is just a good thing we're doing just because we're good people. We're good people. Sharla liked the sound of that. Plus, Sharla
0: was super impressed with what Megan said body donation could do. I heard her say this
1: because of the donations there is a veteran in Florida that is now walking because he got a donated spine. She also talked about there was someone who could see because of donated eyes. She also talked about (laughs) tissue donations and that the skin from older people was actually better than that from younger people because you put this on there and it doesn't shrink as much because it doesn't have any collagen in it. doesn't have any elasticity in it.
0: When she explained donation at hospices and nursing homes, Charla made sure audiences could visualize these medical
1: miracles. Look at all the good that we're doing with donation. I would literally hold my hand up and pull the skin up. You could see it. And a lot of people, oh, wow, I didn't know
0: that. Charlotte pinches and pulls up her own arm skin to demonstrate for me.
1: So when you sew this on, you get more bang for the buck because the skin reacts better.
0: Megan said she would send only a tiny portion of a donor's body off for medical research. Then, Sunset Mesa would cremate the rest of the body. The family would get the ashes to scatter in a field or put on their mantle, and researchers could discover
1: cures for diseases. Everyone wins. In my mind, I had no reason to doubt what she was telling me. Maybe a reasonable PR person who was doing her job would go in and verify those facts. I did not. I'm one of those people, I'm an extremely optimistic person, and I believe in the goodness of people. If someone comes to my home and wants a drink of water, I'm going to give them a drink of water. And
0: Megan was easy to trust. Charlotte could see that she was highly qualified just by glancing around the office. Megan had a doctorate. It was on prominent display in a thick black frame. It said she'd received a degree in funeral services from the University of Mortuary Science.
1: It looked impressive on the wall. And it made people think, oh, she went to college and got a degree. She must be good. And Megan said she had so many other degrees. She had a, another one that was grief counseling. She also told me one time that she had a degree in forensic pathology. And that the county coroner sometimes asked her to help or perform a forensic autopsy because he needed this fresh set of eyes or needed help getting this done. I said something about it and she said, oh yeah, I have that too. A degree in that too, I just don't have it up. What I was told by Megan was that she had a degree in veterinary science. I remember thinking, if you have a degree in veterinary science, why are you working at a funeral home? Megan also
0: endeared herself to Sharla by telling her deeply personal things about her life. Once, she told a story that made Charla think, wow, this woman has really been through a lot. She really understands loss.
1: She told me she had had a child that died of SIDS. I never had a child, but I was sure that that was very traumatic, and I expressed, you know, Megan, I'm sorry, that must be awful. And she said it was. And one of the hardest decisions we ever made was to go ahead and donate his organs. And that's why I feel the donor program is so, so important because we donated our babies and it was really hard, but it was the gift of life. Unlock all
0: episodes of Cover Up. Body Brokers, ad-free right now by subscribing to the Binge Podcast channel. Not only will you immediately unlock all episodes of this show, but you'll get binge access to an entire network of other great true crime and investigative podcasts, all ad-free. Plus, on the first of every month, subscribers get a binge drop of a brand new series. That's all episodes, all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the cover-up show page on Apple Podcasts or visit getthebinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Sharla believed she was doing a genuinely good thing, helping people who were elderly and people who struggled with money get affordable cremations. And the people of Montrose were eager to help, too— by giving the gift of their bodies to science. One of those people was an old miner, a military veteran named Harold Kressler. Here's his daughter, Judy.
3: He'd been a uranium miner and then later a coal miner. And so the uranium finally got him. And uh, he did all the tests and everything and found out that he had lung cancer. And they said there's nothing they could do. And so they transferred him to hospice and just let him live out his, his final days there. But I took a picture of him. Here I go. I'm getting emotional. I knew I didn't think it would happen. Here it is.
0: It's okay. Um, it's
3: okay. You know, he, I took a picture of him a few days before he died. Of course, he only weighed 95 pounds. But um, he was being silly, you know, making cheesy, cheesy smiles, being silly for the camera. But a few days before he died, he said, I'm donating my body to cancer research. We're like, what? (laughs) He goes, yeah, they can study old Charlie. You know, in the war, he called his cancer Charlie, the enemy. They could study old Charlie and maybe help find a cure to cancer someday or figure out what happened to these miners with uranium. And so that's what he wanted to do. And it was a noble cause. It was something he was important to him.
0: Harold told his family that he wanted to donate his body. It would be easy. They could do it all through sunset mesa harold died on the anniversary of pearl harbor in 2015 and as planned he was taken to sunset mesa his widow winona filled out the paperwork for his body to be donated but a week later when she received his death certificate in the mail she noticed something was wrong
3: megan Hess had made a, a couple of errors on my father's death certificate and my My stepmother was not going to accept that. She's a stickler. And Megan Hess had said, my father had never been in the military, and he never graduated from high school. And uh, my stepmother said, this is incorrect. So Megan Hess discovered it was actually her own error. She is such a crook and so greedy that she told my stepmother that she wanted her to pay for the amendment. And my stepmother said, no, I believe you should pay for the amendment. So they kind of went back and forth on it. My stepmother's this elderly lady, and she had to wait till the library had talked to a lawyer night. It was like once a month. <laughs> so she did the talk to lawyer night, and the lawyer said, oh, no, you don't have to pay for that.
0: Winona told Megan what the lawyer said, but Megan still continued to press her for money.
3: Megan says, well, you know, if we will split this cost, I'll give you Harold's ashes back. My stepmother says, his ashes? What do you mean, his ashes? He was taken away for medical research. Oh, no, 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 she said. I've kept Harold here with me the entire time at Sunset Mesa. Took very good care of him. And I've done the research myself. And the
0: research is complete, and I've cremated his body. Megan Hess said she'd done the cancer research herself, right there at the funeral parlor.
3: She can't do medical research on
0: a body. I said, she has no more
3: medical training than my stepmother or I. I said, she, I said, something's wrong with this picture.
0: But Winona, in that moment, she was drowning in her grief. Her mind was cloudy and she was exhausted and just didn't have any fight left in her. She just wanted her husband's ashes. So she relented and gave Megan more money and drove to pick up Harold's ashes. When she left Sunset Mesa, Winona was relieved. She was finally taking her husband home. But it wasn't Harold in that urn. There was no medical research, and we're not getting the body back in two years. Behind the facade of Sunset Mesa Funeral Home Megan and her mother actually were running an elaborate sinister scheme. They were stealing bodies of the dead and dismembering them. Then they were selling the body parts, people's heads, torsos, spines, for hundreds of thousands of dollars.
3: I lived in a world where people are good (laughs) and life is good and the world is good. and I was a little naive. You have to believe them. What what are you gonna do? You have to trust these people.
0: This is a story about the trust we give, blindly, to people we count on to care for our dead. It's about a mother and daughter who preyed on people at their most vulnerable by offering them a deal they couldn't resist. And it's about what it took to stop them. This season on Cover Up, Body Brokers, I don't know what's wrong with this lady. Like, she's obviously crazy. I mean, like, she decapitates bodies for a living, and now she's chasing us down. Like, we need to lose her.
1: <laughs> they took people that were to be cremated and, in essence, stole their bodies. The level of callousness to do that, to steal a body and then charge them for it on top of it, that that, that is a whole nother level.
3: She was morbid. Her head is warped, her thought process is warped.
1: Everything about her is totally demented. People call her the Montrose Butcher. He said, we have reason to believe that she may have dismembered him and sold parts of him. And I said, what do you mean he was dismembered and sold? Like, what are you talking about, his organs? If a
0: cornea falls off a truck, no one gives a shit, but you know, a leg or an arm, How <laughs> that he end up on the news.
2: They murdered my husband after he was dead. Like, those are the only
3: words I have. I mean, come on. The little town of Montrose has always people donating their bodies.
0: Cover Up Body Brokers is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment in association with Black Bar Mitzvah. The show was reported and hosted by me, Ashley Fonts. Elizabeth Van Brocklin is the senior producer. The associate producers are Rachel Young and Callie Hitchcock. Field producers were Megan Burney and Monique Laborde. The editors were Emily Martinez, Matt Scher, and Anthony Puccillo. Sound design mix and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Fact checking by Sarah Ivry. Recording by Jimmy Guthrie at Arcade 160 Studios in Atlanta. A special thanks to our operations team, Doug Slaywin, Ashley Warren, Sabina Mara, and Destiny Dingle. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh D, Vanessa Gregoriadis, Adam Hoff, and Matt Scher. If you enjoyed cover-up Body Brokers, Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.